everybody. I'm Andy Weinberg, and welcome to episode 39. 39. 39 of the David Wasikinen In the Pocket podcast. Coming to you live on phillyrockradio.com. And as always, we're available to listen to any time of day on wildfireradio.com here on this rainy Thursday morning. Our guest this week, though, isn't dealing with the South Jersey rain because he's out in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. His name is Greg Sutton. And maybe you don't know his name. If you're a music guy, you probably do. But when you hear the things that this man has done in his very long and lustrous musical career, you're going to be very impressed He's toured with Bob Dylan in Bob Dylan's band. He's written songs for dozens of well-known artists. He's had an international hit. Uh, he, he's been in the 80s band Lone Justice. So many great accomplishments. I'm, I'm missing a bunch right now. I apologize to Greg. But, uh, Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey. Good to be here. <laughs> well, it's good to be in California. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll be out there. Hey, yeah. This is Dave. Hey, Greg, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll be out there next week, but I don't think I'm going to see you. I'm going to be down in San Diego, but, um, okay, Greg, be that way. yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I want to come hang with you, man. I, um, in the intro, well, we had a great hang. We did. We did. I, uh, to yeah. kind of inform people what we're talking about, Greg and I both, and Andy as well, uh, Greg and I played, uh, we did the Rock for Life thing right, right. Uh, about a month ago with our Frank Goss and Eric Bazilian and, and Stephen Bauer and all those great musicians. And uh, I met Greg uh, a couple years ago when I recorded with him uh, on Glenn's record. And uh, amazing bass player, great player, and we had a great hang. And then just about a month ago, we just had a really good time hanging out and playing music. We rehearsed at West L.A. uh, Music uh, Studios, and then we played the gig over at Bay Shiva, and we had just had a blast. And hanging with Greg and playing with Greg is just is the best. You're really such a cool cat. And and and. When Greg gave me his songs, he's a songwriter. And he say he gave them to me in acoustic. They were acoustic. Played acoustic guitar. He said, "Here's what I want to do." And I'm thinking, "Oh man, this is going to be so much work." I'm uh, sorry, I never told you this, Greg. This is what I thought. I said, "This is going to be a lot of work." Yeah, really. Right. And he made it so simple. When we got on, it was like from the day we got on stage, the way he he constructs his songs. It was a great band, you know, to play with Greg. We had Carlos Calvo and Glenn Goss, and we had Greg Greg Sutton playing. Uh, no, you were playing guitar because Kenny was no, playing. No, Kenny Aronson was, was playing, playing bass. Right. And I'd, I'd like to take you guys on the road. Well, hey, listen, man. You know, we'd love to go on the road with you. And and we play, who and I think either Neil Larson or um oh god I'm name uh, James James, James playing, Fuchs was playing, playing keyboards. Uh, but we keyboards. had a we had a, such a blast playing. It and, was, and it was one of the oh. It was it was a real highlight of the night, man. His his songs. We did three or four songs of Greg's. I remember we played three in, in, at one point, and it was just it just felt like it just felt perfect. And even the fact that we we just learned them and we rehearsed them, it, they were those those kinds of songs that just felt like um, an old shoe. You know what I mean, Greg? When we when it just all uh-huh. felt right. You know? Yeah, yeah, it really did. It, it was it was wonderful. And well, my songs are are. are Simple but deceiving, you know. But, yeah. But you know, I, I, I just uh, I write simple songs. You yeah, know? you write great songs, man. Uh, you great, great enough well, that you know Bob Dylan and and Joe Cocker, and of course Lone Justice and all the other things that you've done over your career. But 
you know, it was fun playing, and he, and he's such a good dude. You well, know, you obviously, uh, he obviously likes you, Dave. The fact that he's calling us at, or we're calling him at eight, <laughs> eight o'clock, o'clock in the eight morning. O'clock in the morning, his time. <laughs> Rock stars are not supposed yeah, to be awake really. at eight o'clock in the morning, well, Greg. Yeah. yeah, well, that's that, that's a myth, you know. But uh, yeah, you know, still, I would. There's not that many people that I would get on the phone. Oh with. man, you're too sweet. We, you know, yeah. real quick too, because we have a friend of ours that we play with in, in that plays bass and in the pocket, another bass player, his name is Buddy Cash and Greg Davis oh. and Charlie Ingui and even Kenny went, Oh my God, it's, it's Buddy Cash West because the way you hold your uh-huh. bass l- real low and just your whole vibe you, with your hair and your look, we, we, we looked at and we said, well, now, is he Buddy Cash West or, or, or is Buddy Greg Sutton East? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It could be <laughs> I, either way. You know, it's yeah. exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Got ya. Hey, before we, uh, before we get into the heart of the conversation with Greg, I do want to mention our sponsors. Uh, adolescent and young adult advocates uh, working with uh, people with mental health and substance abuse issues. Please call them if you need help at 610-520-7775 or visit them on the web at adolescentadvocates.com. And also our friends at Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates in Lansdale, working with autistic children, teens, and young adults. Uh, If you need help there, call them at 267-663-7141. You're you're doing pretty good for four hours sleep, my friend. <laughs> you didn't get a lot of sleep. My Andy Andy was up late last. He said I didn't get to bed till four o'clock. I'm like, wow. And he and he's you know he's just crack. He's a great partner, Greg. I'm glad I have him because if I didn't have him, it, it's, I'm a little ADD. We'd be all over the place, and he keeps everything oh, focused. God, yes. He's awesome. No, he sounds. He's really good. And those are really, those are really good sponsors. Those sound like really good yeah. moral causes. Yeah, we try to do our part. You know, like you, yeah. Try to do our part, hey, Greg. Let's jump right in. We won't. We'll kind of go all over it because your career has been so eventful, and you've been with so many, uh, you know, great names, and you've done so many great things. But let's start with one of the biggest. Uh, you know, you, you toured with Bob Dylan uh, back in 1984, I guess it was, and you're yeah. on the you're on the real live album. Uh, just talk a little bit about. I'm sure you've talked about this a ton through the years, but just uh, what that was like touring with with Bob that year. It was uh, it, w- it was a great experience, and Bob Bob is sort of famous for being standoffish and not talking to people. But he seemed he took a liking to me. I could tell. He talked yeah. to me on stage and would let me sing a song. And uh, uh, the proudest I've ever been to be an American. This is the truth. We were in Wembley Stadium on uh, I, I think it was July Fourth, but it was around there. Yeah. And we came on stage playing Highway Sixty One. Yeah. And that that moment, there's a hundred thousand people there, and this is America's greatest artist down through the years. You know, yeah. we had the Stones and it had the Beatles and Elton John, but in America we had Bob Dylan. Yeah. Right. You know, who changed changed music completely. And there I was standing next to my idol yeah. playing Highway Sixty One, which is the most American you know, kind of twisted American. It was the proudest I've ever felt to be an American. I wish yeah. I still felt the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That was a cool band too, because you had uh, Mick Taylor was was on that tour, yeah. and, and Ian uh, Ian McLagan. Uh, I mean, how, how cool was that? I mean, you're playing with Bob Dylan. You're playing oh, with guys who were in the great. Stones. I mean, it's yeah. No, Mick Taylor was you know was a great guy. I'm like. You know, just about my favorite guitar player. Yeah, that, I love him too. You know, and uh, and Mac was like it, one of the funniest 
human beings who ever lived and yeah. a great piano player. Yeah. It was just, it was just great uh, being with those guys. It was funny though, because you know, they're English and Bob, English expect, um, <laughs> expect you to hang out and have a beer with the boys after the gig. And, you know, Bob's just not like that. So no. there was a little bit of, uh, they sort of, uh, on one hand, you know, they'd say to me, Greg, you're not actually a fan of his, are you? <laughs> you <know>? Really? <laughs> I said, yeah. And I said, uh, duh, yeah. You know, <laughs> wow. Uh, you can say that. So, you know, it's funny because, like, Mick was really like the band leader. He, you know, he, well, Bob chose the people, but, but you know, mm. but after a while, Bob would go over to me, come to me on stage and go, hey, Greg, what, what key are we? In fact, Right. One, one wow. time I gave him the wrong key for Shelter from Storm. Oh, my God. And he, he, he said after the gig, he went, that was absolutely positively the wrong key. I was crestfallen. You know? oh, and the my very God. next day, we, we're playing Maggie's Farm, which is the second song yeah. in the set. Yeah. And he starts it in G instead of A. And, yeah. you know, we're sort of going, well, where, where are we? Yeah. And he comes over to me and says, Hey, Greg, what, what key are we in? You know, and I say, Bob, this, you know, there's like 80,000 people there. Yeah. I'm saying, Bob, we're in G, which is the key you started it in. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and he goes, he goes like a little boy. He goes, can we go to the real, the real key now, Greg? <laughs> hey man, that's amazing that you have that kind of thing going on with him. Because when I listened to the recording, you know, I was listening to that recording and where he says, we're going to have Greg sing one. I mean, that's how often does somebody have Bob Dylan say, we're going to have Greg sing one for you? I mean, or, or anyone else. I mean, it's an amazing thing that you um, you had that experience with him, you know? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Bob Dylan is my MC. Yeah, you did, man. I, I thought it struck Greg. I shit you not. It's exactly what I thought when I heard that. I, I went, wow, man, who has that happen? And, you know, it's really funny. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, dude, I was playing a gig a few weeks ago with Greg, who all played with Bob Dylan. On, he's playing guitar, singing his songs with Kenny Aronson, who also was Bob Dylan, and I'm playing drums. And this is cool. Like, this is how my mind works. I said, okay, that makes me legit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're 100% legit. Uh, you're too legit to quit. Uh, well. man, well, well, we had a lot of fun. So I, I love that about... I love that about your career, and I love that about your music, and I love that you're, you're still... You know, I, I you know, like I know how you hold that songwriting group. You do that, and you're still working really oh, yeah. hard doing stuff. That's it's so awesome that you're 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 uh, you're still you're still at it. And like I remember when we did the session together, your 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 um your tenacity to make it great. You know, and you could feel it immediately in the room when you walked in. You picked up the bass. It was like, oh, this is going to be great. And that song came out great. And and I'm sure your years with Dylan now. Uh, the Dylan thing when you did at Wembley with Mick Taylor, did you, you know, after the the tour you did with Dylan, did you ever work with uh, Mick Taylor again? Was that something that you did? Yeah, I, I, I did. In fact, I stayed at Mick's place in Devon after the tour for a couple of weeks. Wow. And uh, we we you know did a lot of jamming, but Mick is Mick is a strange guy. He's sort of like 
He, you know, me, I can't leave music alone, but he can take it or leave it, it seems. Right. Like, uh, you know, so we, we had plans to do a band and, you know, yeah. and, you know, you can get work anyway. I said, this is going to be great. Yeah. Know, but it never happened. Yeah. And now he's living, he's living in Holland somewhere. He's got a Dutch girlfriend. Yeah. And, uh, Hey Greg, he quit the Rolling with... Stones. <laughs> he quit yeah, the what? Rolling Stones. Who does that? <laughs> I, oh, uh, you know what? I think I... I'm going to go find a better band. I mean, look, I'm a fan of Mick Taylor's, but who quits the uh, Rolling Stones? You know, Bill Wyman, I guess, you know, but, but are, and arguably, you know, are, I mean, you can make the case that the Mick Taylor's era in the Stones is the best era of the Stones. Uh, I when mean, Mick Taylor gets yeah. up and plays with the Stones, when Mick plays with the Stones uh, on the on the recent tour, it was phenomenal. It was yeah. it was I, no, I, a I, phenomenal man. I, I, I totally agree that that Mick Taylor's era was was the best it happens to be Musically. my favorite yeah but me too. i don't know if that it's not because of mick taylor yeah. only you know keith was coming into you know the the modern keith and had just discovered the g tuning yeah. was writing you know uh, you know those songs uh, yeah let it bleed and all the all that stuff. Amazing, you know, amazing well, body of work going on then, man. Right. Well, you sent us a recording, yeah, right, well, Greg? You sent us uh, the recording of, of you guys doing uh, Imagination, right, uh, from Wembley? Right, which is on, yeah, it's on uh, Buried Treasures, which is a Stones uh, bootleg. Right. Yeah. And uh, Taylor, we have that, right? We have, uh, uh, we, we don't? I have Stop, Dylan and Band, and Tonight. Yeah, that's imagination. Yeah. Let's hear a little of that. Sorry. Cool. Yeah. I'm into this. I love the intro. sing for you now. Just my imagination. Living, honey. Why? 
That's, uh, a, that's a hell of a band right there. Just, just listening to <laughs> yeah. that. The talent that was obviously on yeah. that stage, man. Yeah. Do you, do you, yeah, Greg, that was great. We improvised a lot. You know, that particular arrangement was improvised. But wow, Mick Taylor was fucking hollering. Yeah. Holy shit, I haven't heard that in a while. That, yeah. that, that's all, all that guitar playing is amazing. Right. And you're saying if, if people want to find that, that's on a, on a Rolling Stones bootleg, you said? Uh, yeah, it's called Buried Treasures. It's either Volume 1 or Volume 2. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm not certain about which one it is, but it's uh, easy enough to find. Yeah. And it's called Imagination or, or Just My Imagination. I'm not sure yeah. right. exactly what it is. And, Barry Goldberg. <laughs> And as Dave was saying, it's and, and you were talking about earlier, it's so cool that you know Bob Dylan comes out and yeah, says, that, "Yeah, Greg Sutton's going to sing this one for yeah. you." I'm not going to try to yeah, do it in person. He's my Ed McMahon. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. That's and that was point. what uh, uh, I was in the '80s when you did that, right? Like yeah, what? that was 1984. 84. So was that? Yeah. Was that was that after you did the loan justice thing, or before you did the loan justice? No, that was before loan justice. Oh wow! Um, wow. In fact, uh, the next well, the next time I saw Bob was at a Long Justice show uh, mm. where Jesse Ed Davis was opening up for us, and then I saw him again at Farm Aid, oh, wow. which was uh, yeah, amazing. Long Justice was right. playing, and, right. and right. he was playing with the Petty Band at right. that time. You know? Oh, that was a great, and that was a great thing. So I, I just, and I know that, you know, I think I hounded you to play some Lone Justice stuff, but you kind of, that's what I don't want to do, but you were willing to talk. You know, the, 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 the thing about the Lone Justice stuff that I was involved in is that I'm just not, you can I'm, say, I'm not that proud of it. Oh. It was a little bit compromised. Oh. Uh, we, like, for instance, uh, the thing was, Maria McKee had to, like, write half of every song. Right. And so we have this song uh, of mine called Dreams Come True that mm. Jimmy Iovine was just in love with. Right. And it's a great song, if I do say so myself. Mm. And I had to make a deal with her to let her rewrite the verses, which, but I, she, there's no way she could change the chorus. Right. But so the song came out kind of half out. Again, I write, I write very simple and direct right. lyrics and it was about uh, sort of a, uh, a tortured romance right. and I don't know what she was writing about but the, the idea that dreams come true mm -hmm. say they do say they do but it's not the same song yeah. so the, the stuff in, in Lone Justice came out that way I mean right. it's I hard. found Love and Shelter was mm. great the stuff we did on Saturday Night Live yeah but the recordings just weren't. That band could have been great. Yeah, I mean, that could have been one of the greatest uh, bands that ever. Oh was. my God! There was and a it, lot of fans. Like the guys in my band were big fans of Lone Justice, and I, yeah, and I, and, I, and I, I remember. Well, well, was did you was Shane in the band when you played with him, Shane Fontaine? Yeah, Shane. I wow. brought Shane into the band. Wow! Band. Wow! Um, uh, he's a great guy and a yeah. very unique guitar yeah, player. Yeah, very much but so. And the thing was that he was—he had a style a little like Edge of yeah. U2, right? And we wound up—we wound up doing two world tours with U2 when they were really right. starting to happen. I remember that. I remember old. that. Yeah, I remember I, that. I, I think—I think to some degree, uh, we were a little bit too into that U2 thing. Uh, it, it, it compromised the uniqueness of because Maria was more of a soul, country soul kind of. American thing, you uh -huh. know, and you know, uh, and uh, sometimes at its best, you know, it, it really worked. And right. 
like a little bit of a gospel feel, right. plus the rock and roll, the modern rock and roll. It was a great blend. But sometimes we just got a little bit too off into what was currently happening. Uh, yeah, like the, the first, you know, the, the first Little you know. Justice album, which I know you weren't on, there weren't a lot of bands at that time doing that kind right. of thing. Right. No, it's certain... completely unique. And right. I remember going to see them because I had a lot of friends in the band. The, uh, the drummer, the original drummer, Don Heffington and uh, Tony Gilbertson. Oh, Don, Don Heffington, uh, who, were... the Little Feet, the guy that was friends with the guys in Little Feet? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Don my God. He's a great famous drummer, guy. But yeah. Yeah, and and he and I were a great rhythm section. Wow, I didn't but, know uh, that. Wow, I have been looked at. I have been fired, Tony Gilkerson, for some reason. <laughs> and 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 then we had like a meeting with him out at his house, just me and Don yeah. and Jimmy Ivan. Wow, and he goes, I don't know, you two guys, you're trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> you man, well, you know, great. <laughs> He keeps me because I can write songs. Yeah. You know? And but, yeah. but did this real campaign about and they finally fired Don. Yeah. A guy from New York who wasn't the drummer that Don was. I mean, he was a good drummer. Yeah. But he just wasn't. Oh, but wasn't, Don Heffington. He, Don Heffington he, he was, is a great drummer. Yeah. And, and interesting. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm a big like Andy. Uh, I, I'm I'm a crazy little feet fan i you know in the book hevington was the guy oh, that yeah, basically yeah. Uh, uh, when lowell passed away his daughter was the one that he took care of uh lowell's daughter uh, back in i think in, he was in baltimore wow. no he was playing in lowell's band he was in lowell's, in lowell's band, band. Yeah. right and, yeah. and an amazing guy amazing player i think he was from somewhere down in uh, you know mississippi area so he had all of that you know, a greasy groove going on that Lowell yeah, liked. And, oh, that's so cool. You know what? I never knew that. And I'll tell you what, it totally makes sense now that I know you and played with you that I'm going like, oh, okay, uh -huh. this all kind of, I get it. I get it where you guys would connect like that. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We used to do like gigs around town or yeah. like down in Hermosa Beach where we'd just call tunes. We'd do second line stuff or, yeah. you know, Wilson Pickett songs uh, 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 and, well, uh, you know, get through a night like that. So mm. we were like, an but, you know, because of what happened in Lone Justice, me and Don are no longer friends. He, he oh. thought that I should have quit. Uh, when he was fired. Yeah. And, and that's, you, know, a, you know what? That's bullshit, though. I've been there. I've yeah. actually had a similar situation with that. Like, why should you quit? <laughs> like, why? Yeah, I get it. I get it. But but at the, at the end of the day, it's like, look, you're a writer. It's a tough business that we're in. You know, uh, Lone Justice yeah. was doing great. Greg, you know, I mean, uh, that's one of those yeah, deals where I get... Jimmy, I, you know, Jimmy Iovine. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, Jimmy did all right. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy did okay. You know? yeah. Yeah. So there I was... I, you know, I was like all of a sudden one of Jimmy's boys. Yeah. Like thought I should have, mm. you know, and I understand that. I mean, mm. you know, uh, he's got a different opinion of, mm. of, of Ivan than I, mm. you know, but, yeah. but we agree that that band could have been. Could have been amazing. Was, yeah. Yeah. Because I knew, was, I knew, um, you said you brought Shane into the group because I knew, um, yeah. he had a band later on that actually played with the Hooters. He, uh, before he did the Bruce and all that other stuff. I think after Lone uh -huh. Justice, or maybe after, I know, but he had a band called Merchants of Venus that he worked with Joe Hardy down in Memphis. And it was a well, really great that. band. Yeah, but, you know, I think they got yeah. caught up into, you know, they had some of that, uh, edge, you know, the edge thing going on. But I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, a huge right. fan of Shane's. 
Jones. I love what he's doing with Graham Nash these days. I love the his playing is just uh, remarkable, cool. remarkable. Yeah, Greg, really let's uh, let's talk about your songwriting because that's you know really what you've been doing steadily since the seventies. I mean, were you? I know you're originally from New York. Uh, were you writing songs from the time you were young, or did that come a little later? Well, you know, no, it came. It came later. It started in like uh, I would say the '70s. I, it took me like a long while to just figure out how to play. I started as a guitar player, and yeah. then I said, "Well, uh, I'm going to get a lot more work as a bass player." Yeah. After, a great bass player, Jimmy by the way. Yeah. Great bass player. Catholic. Thank you. Um, you know, it, so anyway, but I did this discover, I had this band that was like a soul band with a horn section. And I started writing songs because we were recording with Dave Hassinger, who recorded the early, some of the early Stones records, mm. uh, you know, uh, under my thumb era, wow. that kind of thing. And he said, man, you, you know, you got to start writing songs. So I started writing songs and it took me a little while, but, uh, yeah. really Cocker was uh, Joe Cocker did like six of my songs yeah. over the years, but uh, I, I was in this band called The Pets. Uh, we were on Arista, uh-huh. and we had this this uh, soul song that I had written uh, that Clive Davis wasn't going for. But I, <laughs> I said I was with Warner Brothers, and Cocker did the song, and it was it was just I said, hmm, you know, maybe maybe there's another, you know. So I'm going to keep doing this songwriting thing. This yeah. this is okay, you know. Right. So. He sort of gave me more confidence in myself to have a guy like Cocker do one of my songs. Wow. So, uh, you know, and then I started having pretty good luck, uh, you know, after wh- while I was in, in all these bands, you know, yeah. I was writing songs and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I got a deal with A&M Records because because of Jimmy and. Yeah. And the whole Lone Justice thing, right. and with A and M, Lance Lance Freed, who was Alan Freed's son, right, uh, was the publisher. He really believed in me, and yeah. I got like I don't know lots lots and lots of covers. Well, I was at A and M, and that's wow. kept up my my. Wow. Yeah. And you like right? You enjoy you're, you're I, I know from being around you, you're you're a very creative guy, and you you enjoy. Mm-hmm. You like writing. You that's you like. Oh, your, I love. I yeah, love, love writing it. Songs. Yeah, I can. You know, sometimes I can't keep myself from writing. Yeah, you know, it's like I it's get just, it. Go I, ahead. I, I, uh, I was just go. go I'm ahead. sorry, Greg. I mean to interrupt, but going back to the Cocker thing. So it's it's the 1970s. So you're still a relatively young guy at this point. And one right. of the greatest voices in the history of, <laughs> of, of of soul, rock and roll. I mean, Joe Cocker's voice. So to hear your words sung by Joe Cocker. Could you kind of, you know, at, at that stage of your life, I mean, wh- how did that feel? I mean, that must have just blown you away, right? I mean... Uh, it, it, yeah, it did blow me away, and it was like a, it was a stone-cold sort of soul ballad, a 6-8. Yeah. I was shocked! You know, and to have Cocker do it, it, it really, you know, it, it still sends chills up and down yeah. my spine, because yeah. no, nobody delivered like like Joe. I mean, no. you know, I just, he was one of my... I, I saw the Mad Dogs and Englishmen rehearse at A and M soundstage. Wow. You know, so I, I yeah. go that far back. I'm, you know, I'm an older guy now, but it, that was an amazing feeling. You're right. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to describe, and it's inspiring for a writer to to have that. You know, because uh, it's not like you're Bob Dylan and you can just get your stuff out. So to have somebody who you know people are going to hear and right. it sounds great and all right. this talent is on it's a, uh, you know it's, a, it's an amazing feeling 
That's amazing. And, you know, and writing songs is an amazing feeling too, but to have it come become complete, you know, yeah. the, the whole process can come complete is, is wonderful. Right. You sent us. Uh, you sent us one of the songs that Joe. Uh, one of your songs that Joe sings. It's a song called "Tonight" uh, from from Cocker's yeah. uh, "Across from Midnight" album from 1997. Uh, what What do you well, remember about this song, and and uh, why well, is this, this one song, special to you? We actually wrote in Nashville. I wrote it with a guy named Max Carl. I had to go to Nashville to get a Cocker cut, <laughs> which is ironic. You know? To get a what? Was, what was it? Uh, Oh, to get a cocker to go uh, to Nashville. Oh, I get it. All right. Yeah, to get to get a cocker cut. I went yeah. to Nashville. I was supposed to be writing country songs, but yeah, you know, uh, they they have. Uh, I was there's a guy named David Conrad down there in, in Nashville working for A and M, who's a very effective song plugger. He was, I'm sure, he's right. retired now. But um, so that was, you know, we we wrote the song in a night. Knew that we had something really good and. You know, um, I think we had Joe was recording it within a month, which is probably the fastest that, uh, and yeah. he did a beautiful job. I mean, the record is, is just beautiful. Mm. Sometimes records are just like the demo you sent them. Mm. But in this case, they had an acoustic guitar solo, and it was like much better than the demo. Was this, you know? um, so, when Cocker, um, what year was this? Uh, I'm trying to, because I knew, I don't know if you know Gene Black. Do you know Gene Black by chance? No, I don't. Gene played with I with uh, Gene played with Joe, but it was much later on, and he was a guitar player with him. I was just wondering if uh, uh -huh. if you actually crossed paths with Gene because he was an LA guy, a songwriter who I played with back then, but also played with Joe, and I would run into him of all places in Holland. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I just didn't know. Well, if you knew but him. it's funny how that works. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. Like going, you know, I only met Joe once, really briefly, like backstage right. before a show. Wow. Uh, each time that I got a cut, it was like, you know, just a cold cover, which is, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know. A lot of people get cuts because they're friends or they're playing right. on the session, but I had to do it this way. But that's Joe really cool. That's interesting. Cover. I would have assumed because he recorded 70 of your songs that yeah. you would have had some kind of relationship right. with them. But, right. uh, yeah, no, we, we, we really didn't know each other. That's I mean, so cool. Though, man. Yeah. That, that actually makes me respect you even more, Greg. <laughs> even more than I do, I respect you even more. Like, wow, you didn't even talk to the guy. He heard it. Well, said, I'm doing it. Yeah, well, that, that cool. makes it even that says more. A lot. It makes it impressive because you know he's not doing you a favor because it's like a friendship kind of thing. He actually, I mean, he legitimately loves the work without even knowing the man producing the work. That's really cool. I mean, yeah. that's. Yeah, right, that, it is cool. You know, I'm gonna be patting myself on the back all day after. <laughs> hey, this, like this. I'm gonna say you're pretty cool. Hey, <laughs> well, let's hey, hear are. let's hear some of you it. Are. Let's hear a little of tonight from Joe Cocker, written by Greg Sutton <laughs> and Max Carl. Tonight 
Cocker's one of those guys like Winwood, you know, that has that, it's like, you know, that undeniable instrument, the voice that is like, uh, it's amazing, isn't uh, it? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. this is, uh, he's just so emotional, even yeah. when he's not screaming or, you yeah. know, I mean, he's just so, his voice is just beautiful, ridiculous. Yeah. It's a shame that yeah. he's gone. Yeah. yeah. But he lived a great, you know, I mean, there's another guy that, you know, it was on his deathbed that, you know, got a, got a life, got a second chance and lived his life. And, you know, I mean, he made the That's most true. of it. I mean, I, we opened, my band would open for him and uh, went festivals in Europe and we were doing well in Europe and we're still doing and, and And we were there and he was always headlining the biggest, I, I mean, massive Switzerland, Germany, yeah. uh, UK. He was just, he was, he was where he should have been, you know, and, 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 and at the end right. of his life, you know, he was, he was, uh, he was living it. And, uh, you know, that's a remarkable story about Cocker, you know, like, like Tina. Yeah, it, it, uh, it is. Roger Davies. Sometimes, sometimes, it, sometimes yeah. it, yeah, Roger Davies. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it takes a little while. I remember the very first big time gig I had was with a group called KGB and we were opening for Joe yeah. and uh, an American tour and stuff was his band. And, oh. you know, stuff in one yeah. way. And Chris Parker was great. Chris Parker was playing drums. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, Joe was such a heavy drinker at that yeah. time and yeah. whatever else he was doing. They had buckets set up stage left, stage right and backstage left and right on the it. corners and stuff would bet on which Bucket Joe would puke in first. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh <laughs> and my he'd, god. He'd always, yeah. he'd always hit them all. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he'd get them all. On, yeah. On which side? Yeah. You know, they'd bet on, on on which cockroach would get off the wall first. But it was he, so you know Joe really overcame his own demons. You know, yeah. his own worst instincts. Yeah. And, yeah. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. Oh, no question. Well, get, getting back to that song tonight, I mean, that to me, that sounds like it should have been a hit. I mean, that, that has all the, you know, not to keep patting you on the back, but uh, that has all the makings of, you know, with the, to me, of, of, of like a perfect pop song. Pop, yeah. little, what year was that? What year was that? 97. 97. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 97. Yeah. It, it was a minor hit in, in Europe, but it never, like, really broke, you know, right. for whatever reason. 
Well, here, here's a song you wrote, uh, Greg, that was a hit. I mean, maybe not so much in the United States, but it was all over Europe. It was a, a top five song, I think, in England. And uh, it, it's a song called Stop uh, from a, a female soul singer right. named uh, Samantha Brown. Um, right. And uh, I know it's been covered by a bunch of people since then, but uh, I, I guess this would have been the biggest hit of your career as, as a songwriter. Uh Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, especially because Joe Bonamassa did it as well. So, yeah. you know, he sold a lot. But, yeah, it was all over the world. This song was, was uh, a big hit, except for, of course, in America. It only got to, like, 50 or something yeah. like that. But, yeah, I would say this is the the biggest hit of my career and how did, so far. Uh, do, do you have any idea how <laughs> so far? Yeah. There you go. I like uh, the confidence. Oh, dude, that's so great. How did, how did this uh, song come into you know Sam Brown's radar well, this, I mean this is a funny story Sam I knew Sam we had written a song in England uh, we were introduced uh, to each other when I was in uh, London and um, then I was we, I was playing with you too about a year later uh, not with you I, I was with Lone Justice we were opening for you two Sam was staying here and uh, I stopped by there on my way to the U2 show for, you know, we had like a couple of hours and she had the start of this song. And, uh, I was with, uh, the keyboard player who was giving me a ride, Bruce Brody. And I know. Oh my God. Hotel room. He's a Philly guy, like, Bruce Brody. Okay. Yeah. He's a Philly guy. Yeah. yeah great keyboard player. Yeah. Great guy. And, uh, he's like the third writer, even though he didn't really write any part of the song, but he didn't go, Oh, I better earn my publishing now and make a bad idea mm. stick. You know, he, he just let it happen. Yeah. And in an hour, we had this great song. We knew it was great. I mean, I was surprised at what a big hit it became, but I knew it was a very effective song. But sometimes the best songs are written like that, like yeah. in an hour. Yeah. Just boom. Exactly. You know? and, yeah. and then we went on to play with you 2 at the sports arena, and I completely forgot about it. And um, I'm at about a year later. I'm at uh, my office at A and M, and they say, "Hey, your songs are hit." I said, yeah, "What song would that be?" You know, and, you know uh, that's, great. that's great. And they said, "You know, that's did we lose you, Greg? You there? Uh, let's. I think we lost them." Well, uh, Taylor, while we get Greg back, put on uh, "Stop" by Samantha Brown. Yeah, and we'll hear, and uh, hopefully, we'll get Greg back. Yeah, we'll in just get a minute. Back. depend on you I gave you all the love I had in me and now I find you lied and I can't believe it's true wrapped in our arms I see you across the street and I can't help but wonder she knows what's going on Oh, you talk of love But you don't know how it feels When you realize That you're not the only one
Greg, you've had some pretty incredible singers sing your uh, sing your songs. Wow, that's that's a that's an unbelievable performance. That's great. Well, yeah, she's a great. She was she was a big star uh, for a while in England, and her father was a big star. His name is Joe Brown. Yeah, uh, he, he was a big TV star. And it's funny, like I used to hang out with him, and he could like park his car anywhere in London, <laughs> and if the cops started giving him a ticket, they go, "Oh, it's you, Joe. Oh, what's your?" <laughs> We'll move it for you, mate. Don't worry. Go back to the pub. You know? Oh, oh man. So, yeah. He's a lovable guy. They're, they're, but you're right. I've, I've been lucky to have some amazing vocalists. Right. Well, uh, that was a... Uh... <laughs> That was a worldwide hit in 1989. Our European listeners probably know the song. Oh, stuff too, man. I mean, your song writing and the work you do is just, um, it's really top notch. It sounds really great. But uh, I was just going to say, if uh, if our American listeners aren't familiar with it, go find it and uh, track it down. You know, you can, and, uh, you know, it's written by by our friend Greg Sutton and sung by Samantha Brown. Greg, I got to ask you this real quick, and then I want to get into Andy Kaufman, because I know you were lifelong oh, friends with him yeah. and his musical director. You know, I talk didn't about, know that. Talk about I didn't know a character. That at all. But anyway, I just want to ask you real quick. I, I know you were for a little bit in the eighties, you were with Tommy Two Tone. Were you there when he when yeah. they were, when the band recorded eight six seven five three oh nine or did you come in after that? Not, not when they recorded, but I joined the band before it was a hit. They said you want a gig, blah blah blah. And then like two weeks after I joined the the single starts to explode like a month later I'm on the cover of People magazine, and I used to kid them. I said, you know, you guys were nothing until I joined. 
Uh, so you, uh, so you, did, you weren't involved in the recording, but obviously you got to play it live a bunch. No, yeah. Uh, it was a guy named Terry Nails, I think, who played the bass. But, you know, it's like, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, ba you know. Yeah. Uh, very very uh, easy bass line. Yeah. You know, my mama could play the bass line. <laughs> but it was, it was interesting. There was, like, screaming girls, and it was, like, the early days of MTV. Yeah. You know, so they were, like, really an MTV band. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, everywhere we went, uh, you know, the teeth boppers were going nuts. Yeah. It was, it was interesting, you know, to be with a band that was like... Were the, were they, the who? And they had that's, no idea. That's a song. I mean, he was on... T I saw him on Fox Channel 29 last week playing in the studio. That's one of those songs. <laughs> Listen, man. And we danced, or, or you know, like, uh, at which you, I hear in yeah. Vaughn, uh, Vaughn supermarkets, or in, uh, you know, like... You 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 Absolutely. pray for a song like that. I mean, it's. I mean, sometimes back in the day, I remember thinking, well, I never took it for granted. Maybe a little bit, but now after forty, almost forty years, I go, you know, you have a song like that that people know before they even know the band. That's huge, and you know what I mean, Greg? Yeah, no, it's no, like you, huge. And it's like, note to songwriters: don't sell your publisher. <laughs> right, right. Maybe at least a piece of the publishing because, like, with a song like that, yeah. it will see you through the rest of your life. Yeah, I wish I had written it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I, that's one of those songs I know. Yeah. Like uh, with Eric and Rob, when they went stage, we we always do. Um, they always. I think there was a, some sort of. If they, they they were asked once at some songwriters forum, if there was a song you wish you would have wrote, what would that song be? And they said, um, uh, um, um, oh, the Eagles song. Uh, we. Uh, um, Boys of Summer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Boys of Summer. Now they happen to love that oh, song, yeah. Yeah. and that's the song that they they song. you know. And we perform it when yeah. we tour every night. Really? And even Henley wow. likes the way we do it. But it, it cool. it's one of those songs that it's like, man, I wish I would have wrote that song. You know? Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. A lot of us listen to uh, when when uh, Eric was playing one of us. Yeah. The Rock for Life. Show. Right. I said the same thing to myself. I said, Jesus, you know, and why wrote, didn't I think of that? Like, well, he wrote you know, it too. So simple, you know? Yeah, Greg, he wrote that Pardon? song. He wrote that song, like you said, it came very quickly to him. He was showing his wife, Sarah, how to use the, the, uh -huh. the recording machine. And, and, and he started uh -huh. playing the riff. And the riff, you know, the riff is just an amazing riff. And then he started singing the line. And that night we played wow. it. We played it together. It was it's an amazing, amazing. night. I, I wish we would have thought yeah. to have everybody come sing that chorus at that time. But it was one you of know, those nights it was late. Yeah. But boy, what an, what an evening of music. And you were ha And your songs... I told you I'm coming out there, man. I mean, somehow we got to cut some of those things that we did because it was really that would be phenomenal. Event. We had that to figure be, out. That would be so good. Yeah. yeah. We can do it here, actually. Yeah. You know, but there'd be nothing to do it in a, in a really yeah. you know, state-of-the-art place. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, that was one of those just crazy nights. It actually, the thing it reminded me the most of was the Carnegie Hall show with Kaufman. I'm sort of trying oh. to segue into Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. yeah. Sorry. But it really did. It did, because the Kaufman show was one of those, you know, first of all, it's Carnegie Hall. I'm conducting at Carnegie Hall. Wow. You know, this New York all-star band. But it was one of those crazy nights where Robin Williams was sitting on stage the whole night dressed as Andy's grandmother. And, uh -huh. you know, all these weird, like, carnival-type acts came and performed. And Andy did all his different bits, which were, you know, he had a lot of different things that yeah. he did from the women's wrestling to, um, you know, here I come to save the day. You know, yeah. Fun and man. 
and the Tony Clifton right. in the show, his, his his nightclub entertainer is saying the national anthem. Right. You know, and he's saying he's one of these Vegas guys who so sang like this. You know, so the Rock for Life thing was one of those yeah. crazy nights where at the end of the night you go, gee. What just happened? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I know, I know. And, and, and hopefully we'll do it again. But I got to ask you. So Andy Kaufman, you, so you worked. This he was his musical director so for like you, four you years, kind, right? You, kind of, uh, uh, you know, so it's not always, yeah. you know, you, you had a relationship with this guy then. You kind of, you knew we, him. We became best friends in the fourth grade. Wow. Are uh, you shitting me? Wow. We remained best friends. We Ola Tunji, the African drummer, came to our school. Yeah. And... He and I were the only two kids who were interested, and we were absolutely transfixed. Wow. We happened to be sitting next to each other, and we both went wild, and then we discovered that we were both huge Elvis fans. Oh, no you know, kidding. When, wow. and, and from that point on, we were like best friends, and we had a, my cousin and a couple other guys, we had a little association of friends that stayed friends throughout our lives. And, wow. and uh, you know... Andy, if he had gone in a different direction, could have been the greatest Elvis impersonator of all time, right? I mean, oh, he was. Even Elvis said that he was the best. Wow, you know? wow. Elvis himself said that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but so, you know, no, Andy was crazy to, to, and you know, let's face it, Andy changed comedy. I mean, he's he a did. completely different type he did. comic because he wasn't doing comedy. You know, yeah. he was doing something else that but it was funny what, <laughs> did you see this you know, in him in fourth grade i mean was he you know fourth grade was, was no nuts. in fact in, in fact when when we were all like 15 we'd sort of go well you know greg's gonna be a musician gwen's gonna do this but well, what the fuck is andy, gonna do? <laughs> andy you know yeah and, and one night one night in the we were snowbound so andy said you know, I'm doing a, a, he used to do kids parties, like when he was 14 and 15. <laughs> really? And he'd go, I, I have to rehearse, so you, do you want to see what I'm going to do? You want to see my act? And that was the first night that I had an inkling. I said, you know, this is pretty funny, you know? He was already doing Mighty Mouse, and oh my the, God. the cow goes, you know, like that. I said, you know, Andy might have talent, amazingly. Wow. Because you know, at the time, he was driving a cab for the only black cab company in Great Neck, Long Island, which was, you know, a, a Jewish community. Wow. Uh, you know, upper middle class. His family was yeah. not wealthy, but yeah. well off. Wow. You know, and wow. Uh, so that was the, the first night. But we, we, like I said, we all stayed in touch, and he asked me to be his musical director. And I used to do, like, two months of tours a year with him. You know, wow. So when, when, when he wasn't doing taxi, we would gig and you know, all over the country, the, wow. uh, you know, little concerts and uh, in Nevada, you know, and all the Vegas and all Rick, those I places. never, you know what? Again, wait. I like you even more. Uh, it's wait. amazing. <laughs> what a life. I, I got it. Greg, when he was when he was off stage, when you guys were just working on the show or whatever, was he ever just yes. quote unquote a normal guy or was he always Andy he, Kaufman? Well, he, he, was, he was normal for him. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, but. He was, he had these big eyes. He never blinked. Andy never blinked. And it was unnerving <laughs> to some people, but he was normal for Andy, but that's like very far from normal. So, so <laughs> yeah. So for you, the fact that he never blinked wouldn't freak you out. But if somebody walked in and they saw this dude that never blinked and his eyes were big, they'd be like, oh, this guy's a freak. Yeah, but yeah, for you, which, eyes, yeah. You know? 
And if you were a woman, he'd want to wrestle you. Right, sure. right. right. And, you know, you might freak some people out too, Greg. Like if they said, we're going to let go, like, hey, man. Yeah. I love I've, it. I've had that experience. You know? <laughs> <laughs> East Coast guys. You know, oh, East Coast hey, New. Hey, listen, man. At Rock for Life, we were all like, as soon as you walked in the room, everybody said, this guy's cool. <laughs> this guy's cool. <laughs> you got a thing, man. Well, he's got some of these he stories. Uh, uh, actually, a, a lot of these stories are available in a, in a book you wrote called uh, Here's Your Hat. Uh, What's your hurry? What's your hurry? But thank uh, you for your hat. Yeah, but I, I went. I actually looked for this on Amazon, and there's there's one copy on Amazon, and they're asking seventy bucks for it. No shit. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Is there a way to get it cheaper? <laughs> is there a way for people to get your book without paying seventy bucks for the one copy on Amazon? Yeah, or? go go to my Facebook page and tell me you want the book, and you can have it for fifteen bucks. Uh, uh, so listen. So if someone wanted to get. Uh, you know, look, uh, we want to help you uh, monetize your visit to our podcast, Greg. So well, if, so, if somebody wants to, um, you know, uh, uh, you go, what do you got? You got, you have some shows. They want to, you know, buy the book. You got anything going yeah, on that I, we want to chat about in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, either go to my Facebook page, which is Greg Sutton, or if you want to just make a contribution to my cause, yeah. you can go to my PayPal page, which yeah. is greggysue at gmail.com. But, um, you know, we I have a Salvation Sunday I uh, heard. radio show. We do it every Sunday. So just tune in for that. I mean, there's, we do it for free every every week. Uh, That's cool. We'd love to turn it into a podcast. Yeah. Hint, hint. <laughs> well, let's chat but, about uh, that. Like, well, I'm go uh, look. I'm out there next week, sure. but I'm in San Diego, and then you know, I talked about. I, and I'd like to try to get out in July, and maybe let's talk about how. Yeah, because we, July, we be talked about working together, so let's figure some shit out. <laughs> you know, Ooh. we I, I, we haven't said, even. I've got a room here, you know, and you're welcome. Thank anytime. you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, we we've barely scratched the surface, Greg, on, on some of the people that you've that, who've recorded your songs and who you've worked with. And I know I was reading in one interview that somebody who recorded one of your songs, who you were blown away to meet, was Al Green, because you, you, he was a big hero oh, of yours. Yeah. Oh, wow. Can you talk about yeah, that real was, quick? Uh, that was a song called "Every Time You Cry," and the producer was my friend Arthur Baker, who was a great dance producer, still is. Right, and. Uh, uh, Al recorded the song Every Time You Cry, uh, but he never released it. It, it, it. Every Time You Cry is the only number one I ever had. It was number one by a guy named John Farnham in Australia. Oh. And uh, that, that was the only number one. But when I met Al Green, he said, oh, Greg Sutton. And he sang the chorus of the song. He went, Every Time You Cry. <laughs> you know, I was like, that. wow. And, you know, I, I, I told him, I said, Reverend, I'm ready to die right now. Dr. Chase, wow. My life is complete, you know. Wow. He was such a great guy. And, he, I mean, I just saw him at the Greek Theater last month, and he's still amazing. I yeah. Mean, he's the yeah. most amazing singer. But that was, those are the kind of things that songwriters live for, mm. you know, mm. obviously. <laughs> and the sound, the production, yeah. those records that Al made, you know, uh, just phenomenal. You know, you hear that Memphis thing. Really, and, you know, rhythmically, his, it's like he's a groove guy, love and happiness. Oh. You hear any of that stuff, the bass line. I mean, it's, you know, you're that, that guy that feels that. It's phenomenal stuff. Yeah, it's phenomenal stuff. It really is. And it's so easy. They do it. The drummers, are, you know, they're, yeah. they're really not working that hard. No. Know? No, they're just grooving. And the sound grooving. comes out of his mouth. It's just yeah. ridiculous. It's otherworldly. And 
you know, he and and he has the greatest smile I've ever seen. Oh I'm yeah! Really, wow. I mean, I, the women are just crazy for Al. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. In fact, I wrote a song recently called "If I'd Have Been Al Green." You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guys in my band, when we recorded down in Memphis in the '90s, um, we had a we had an apartment where Isaac Hayes and Sybil Shepherd had oh, a place, man. and those guys, Eric and Rob, actually went to his. He had a church that he would do a show a, a service at uh-huh. for three. I think it was like yeah. three or four hours, and it was music every Sunday. And those guys went. Uh, you know, they went to. The service and went to Al's church. Al's church. Al's church. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, I would love to go there. I mean, Memphis is another world. Yeah, it's so musical and you know, it's just it's 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 so not like Nashville. Yeah, uh, at all. It's right, like the opposite. Less corporate. You know? Well, less corporate yeah. and much more black. Much right. more soulful. Soulful. Yeah. The food. The food's better and the yeah. music is better. Yeah. You know, but it's it's. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's amazing. I, love I, it I would there. I would love to go to Alice yeah, Church. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Well, let's time. go. Let's All go, right. man. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. Uh, uh, On our way to Memphis. Uh, we should record the show down in Memphis. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go down there. <laughs> Hey, man, so... Uh-huh. Well, Greg, you're the only musician on the planet that has a connection to Tommy Two-Tone and Al Green. I, I'm, I'm confident <laughs> in saying so. so that, right. What a life you've led yeah. and, and, and the stories, and yeah. we could go over another hour, but... Uh, I got to thank Glenn Goss for putting, for me, for introducing me to Greg, because he came in, we did the session together, and he said, I got this friend, Greg Sutton, and he'll let him come play, and I was like, yeah, let's do this. I came down, I flew in, and I remember I was down in San Diego, and I drove up, and... Greg came in. We were in the studio, and we just had we had a great time. Immediately, we had a connection, and I'm so glad that he, really you know, was willing to come on the podcast. And you know, I, you know, there's there's this kind of friendships that you develop through, you know. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah. Thanks, Glenn Goss. Yeah, thanks, to Glenn Goss, one of the greatest yeah. guys in the world. Oh, really, really. Yeah. Glad he's still with us and... too. <laughs> Me too. Really glad. You know, it's. Uh... Yeah. He's, he's doing the right thing now by yeah. resting. Yeah. Um, but the feeling is completely mutual, Jamie, so you know, yeah. just know that. Thank you, Greg. Well, thank yeah. you so much for joining us, Greg. This was a blast. Uh, yeah. It was great meeting you over the over the uh, air like this. Flew and, by. Uh, the like, hour flew by, uh, man. Go visit his Facebook page, Greg Sutton, and, and uh, check out his where you can, you know, Buy his book for fifteen bucks, and and check out where you can go see him play, and uh, out in, for our listeners out west, and uh, thank you so much, Greg. Best of luck to you. All right, buddy. Thank you, guys. I'll be this in touch. Really I'll be in touch, dude. All right. All right, buddy. Great man. Cool. Bye. Man, that was fun. Well, he was great. Well, let's let's hear from uh, our sponsors at uh, Adolescent and Young Adult Advocates, and then Dave and I will come back and uh, wrap things up. Yeah. Are you or someone you love struggling with mental health and substance use issues? Adolescent and Young Adult Advocates has served the main line for the past 14 years, providing comprehensive and individualized treatment for mental health and substance use disorders. Led by founder Patty Ann McAndrews and director Francesca Santacruz, our staff are remarkable people setting the tone for strong mentorship. Located in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, Adolescent and Young Adult Advocates helps you discover a community of people that share similar experiences and are building a life grounded in honesty, integrity, and community. At Adolescent and Young Adult Advocates, we have three levels of care with a board-certified psychiatrist, partial hospitalization, intensive outpatient, and outpatient services for ages 14 to 35 with a strong emphasis on family involvement. If you want to start your journey to a healthier and happier life, go to Adolescent Advocates. Advocates.com or call 
610-520-7775. Again, that's 610-520-7775. Yeah. All right, we're back. Actually, and I, I we, we try not to play these back-to-back, but I don't want to forget our other sponsors, Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates. Yeah. So let's hear from them, too. And then Dave and I will be back to wrap things up. <laughs> Hi, my name is Gabe, and I have autism. When I was diagnosed with autism, I realized it was hard for me to do what people call normal. For example, I would get easily upset and overreact to small problems. When it was time for me to go to college, I had an especially hard time. That's when I went to Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates. Gabe made the right choice. They helped me prepare for college with my interests in mind. They taught me coping strategies, organization skills, and self-advocacy. Not only that, they boosted my confidence using evidence-based treatment programs such as Think Confident, Be Confident. This helped me prepare for employment opportunities as a peer mentor here at Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates. We are dedicated to improving the lives of teens and young adults with autism. Thanks to them, I am better prepared for college and can continue my life's journey. Now I can pursue a career in animation and continue my job as a peer mentor. Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates in Lansdale, PA. Call us at 267-663- Seven one four one. All yeah. right, we're back. Great. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you for your support. And uh, Dave, we, we were just saying uh, during the break that uh, uh, Greg was fantastic. What a great guest, and, and what yeah, a I, life. I didn't know, and uh, you know, the Andy Kaufman thing really caught me by surprise because I didn't. But the, one of the great things about doing the podcast is that you get to learn about because um, there's a certain amount of research that we do. You know, I know Greg from a, a, just a different kind of level, but when you look at the body of work that he's done, and I mean, fourth grade, he was buddies with Andy Kaufman, and I mean, that's just like one of those life things that is just fascinating about a human being, person. But it's been fun, and he was he was great, and I'm looking forward to like doing some stuff with him, you know, when I go out, and he's just a great guy. And, and it uh, sounds like he was fantastic to play with when you went out and did the uh, Rock for he, Life thing. We were all blown away by him, um, Kenny, because we weren't sure, like, you know, we put it together so quickly. And um, I even said to Glenn, I said, because he, he was the one who sent me demos that were like acoustic versions. And I'm going, oh, we got to figure out arrangements and, you know, things like that. And it all came together so nice and smoothly. He was wonderful, man. He was absolutely wonderful. And the songs were great. And the audience loved it. He's got his own fan fan base out there. And it was a terrific night. So I look forward to doing more with him. Yeah. Know? Well, hopefully we introduced him to a bunch of our listeners who might not have been familiar with him. Yeah. Um, I had known the name, but didn't really know much about him either until yeah. I, until this week. What, a, you, what a life. Yeah. You know, what a great play life. with Bob Dylan and, oh, yeah. and yeah. you know, just some of the musicians that I know that right. You know, mentioned Shane. I mean, just great. Well, how players. many people has Bob Dylan called out by name on stage? <laughs> Probably n- not many, because Dylan doesn't do it. There's not a lot of stage patter, right. especially you know over the uh, last 30, 40 years or uh, so. So for Dylan to specifically say Greg Sutton's going to sing this song, uh, I mean, that's, that's I could <laughs> say knowing Greg uh, the way I I do, I could see those two being buddies. <laughs> I just could see it because Greg is in. You know, he's. He's got a thing, and uh, you know Dylan. I could you see Dylan laugh? He was laughing and carrying yeah. on on stage, and that was his bro. You know, yeah. he had that thing, that bro feeling. And then the other guy, and the other guy in the band is Mick Taylor. <laughs> right. So you know, yeah. and, and, he's, and he's Mac got from the cool, faces. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, very yeah. cool. It was great. You know, it really lifted my lifted my spirits today for sure. Yeah. yeah. Did you do you want to mention? Yeah, him, I mean, you know, it's a, it's kind of a rough day. You know, we, down and I have a, 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 a Eli, our cat of sixteen years is you know, on his way to kitty heaven. And, and it's really tough. It's a rough thing to, to, you know, pets become our, our family. And, and Eli has been like every morning he'd step on top of me and like, 
annoy me and you know like the last for a little while he hasn't been doing that and i know it's been really difficult for my wife and and me so uh, when we leave here i i, I you know, we're going to figure out what we're going to do and it's never easy and it's a tough spot and i know a lot of our listeners are pet people and you know we know how difficult a role that is to to to, to when you at this time comes you yeah know. i'm really sorry Dave, thank to you, you and thank to Dallin you, thank and, and you guys because, are wonderful uh, i know eli's part of the family yeah and, he uh, really is you know and the odd thing is gino left us last year tomorrow oh which is such a weird oh. like eli just said okay so it's one of those things you know uh, well life and you know you because when you get a pet you know they're not going to live as long as you're going to live you know and that happens you know and that's one of those things but they're they're such a joy of our lives and they bring so much joy and love and no matter what you do you're always their best friend and uh you know, people aren't like that. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, yeah. my, my, my deepest condolences. Thank you. I mean, that's. Thank you. Uh, so. Thank you, everybody. Well, let, let's end on a happier note. Happy yeah. Father's Day to yeah. uh, to our listeners. Happy and, Father's Day, Andy. Yeah, thank you. Happy Father's well, Day to you, you, Dave. Thank and you. Uh, I'm going to see my son next week. It's going to be awesome. That's cool. So. Thank you uh, to Taylor working to always for us. Taylor, Taylor doing job. a nice job. Dealt with some technical issues this week. With we lost Greg and Taylor got him right back. So yeah. that was good. Uh, thanks to Wildfire Radio, to Philly Rock Radio. Thanks to our sponsors, right. and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, on in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs>